We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Alrighty, let's grab our seats. Here we come. Good. Doing well today? You're well, that's good. And uh, my kids woke up early for me this morning to, um, not for Father's Day, just to, just to get me. And uh, so, pray for me for serving my family since the wee hours. Nah, it's fine. Um, we've been going through the book of Matthew couple of months now. This is actually the last week we're going to be zeroing in on Matthew. And so uh, uh, we're going to be speaking from a passage today. And bef- I'm going to read it. And then we're going to have a bit of an overview uh, because the overview helps us understand what's going on and what we're reading. Right? Because remember, Matthew's a book uh, and there's a journey throughout the whole book. Right? And when we read a book together, Right? It all makes sense to different parts. Imagine, you know, the movie The Lion King. Right? Imagine if all you saw was little Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa singing Hakuna Matata. Right? Great scene. Right? You'd sing along to eat the grubs. You don't even see another lion. Right? You've got no idea what's going on. And so we, we go through the book and we get an understanding of what's happening in the different places. Because uh, what we're going to read is something that Jesus said right at the end, before he went to the cross and rose from the grave. And so a lot's happened in that time. All right. So we're going to read uh, from Matthew 25, verse 31, and I reckon we have it. There we go. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. They will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty, stranger, naked, sick or in prison and not help you? 
And he will answer, I'll tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but a righteous will go into eternal life. Lord, we just uh, uh, bring this word to you, Lord God, and help it to come alive in us, speak to us, have your way in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before we get into that passage, let's just step back. Uh, the whole book of Matthew, Matthew's got a few points he really wants to get across to us. Uh, and we talked about it at the beginning, and you see it through the whole book of Matthew. One is that Jesus is the Messiah. So all throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites looked forward to a Messiah, someone, an anointed person who would deliver them. right? And they thought the Messiah would come and deliver them from Rome. But Jesus had plans to deliver them from sin and death. right? Uh, Matthew's also showing us that Jesus is like a new Moses. And you see similarities, like there's the baptism and the Red Sea, there's the wilderness and the temptation, and then there's a lot of teaching in Matthew. And Jesus takes the law of the Old Testament and expands it, fulfills it. And another one of Matthew's goals is to show that Jesus is Emmanuel, God is with us, right? And, and we see those right from the start, right from the introduction, we see this genealogy, I don't know if you remember the genealogy, but it shows us that he's from the line of David, he's, from, he's a Jew from Abraham, it includes all people, right? And so this is Matthew's goal. And if you look at the book of Matthew, there's an introduction, right? There's an introduction, that's when Jesus is born. There's a conclusion. And that's where he dies and, and rises from the grave. And if you actually look at it from a big picture, there's like five sections in between and there's five sections and stuff happens and then Jesus teaches and it, it goes together and it kind of moves on to the next section right and again I'll tell you why this is important because what we read just before that comes in right at the last section right let me briefly explain the first section it's it's Matthew 4 to 7 this is when he's baptized this is when he's, he's tempted in the wilderness, Jesus. It's when his ministry begins, right? It's when he, he, he calls his first disciples. And then he teaches, and it's all about Jesus announcing the kingdom of God. That's the Sermon at the Mount. Jesus saying, hey, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like. It, it's, it's not getting even, it's turning the other cheek. It, it's coming and praying to God your Father. It's laying down your life. This is the kingdom of God. This is how we interact with each other. This is how we interact with God. And the whole first section, Jesus is just saying, hey, this is the kingdom of God. It's not about getting rid of Romans. <laughs> it's about how we treat each other. It's about how we interact with God. This is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So that's the first few chapters. And then it shifts in Matthew 8 to 10, and we see Jesus bringing the kingdom of God into everyday lives. See, in the first section, Jesus is talking about it. And in the next section, he's doing it. Right. He heals a man with leprosy. He heals a blind man. He heals a paralyzed man. The guy who came through the roof, you remember that? That's in that section. He calms the storm. He calls Matthew. And so Jesus is going into people's lives, into their literal dining rooms, and bringing heaven to earth. 
bringing the kingdom of God to earth. This is what's happening in the next section. There's actually nine stories of God's kingdom coming into people's lives. And then Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. And this is where that next bit of teaching comes. Because he teaches them uh, what it means to to, uh, send out, what it means to announce the kingdom of God and what to expect when it happens. And then you have the third section. It's about Matthew 11 to 13. And then that, it shows us how everyone's kind of responding to this kingdom of God. Right. This kingdom of forgiveness, this kingdom of healing, this kingdom of generosity. And some people love it. The lepers love it, right? No one used to hang out with the lepers, now they're all getting healed. They love the kingdom of God. The disabled, the blind, the, the widows, the children love it. Right? Some aren't sure about it. Some are on the fence because they, they wanted a Messiah to, to, to literally get rid of the Romans, Israel be on top perch, good to go. And then the, that's when we see the Pharisees really start to not like Jesus because he's messing with what they reckon was going to happen. And so we see some people loving the kingdom of God, some people not so sure, and then we see the Israel leaders, the religious leaders, Starting this, that tension building between them and Jesus. Because he comes and heals on the Sabbath. He messes up their holy day. He, he, he tells them, I can forgive sins. He, Jesus comes and just messes everything up right. And then he teaches here, and this is where there's all these parables. You, you might have heard of the parable of the seed getting scattered on a different soil, right? Some goes on, uh, on the footpath, some on the soil with rocks. Some there's weeds and some producers, right? And, and it's actually just showing what's happening. Jesus is bringing his kingdom of God. Some love it. Some refuse to accept it, right? Jesus tells stories about the mustard seed and the buried treasure and, and the mustard seed, how when just the seed of God's kingdom can expand. So this is right up to the 13th chapter. This is what's happening in the book of Matthew. Jesus arrives on the scene. He tells everyone what's going to happen. The deaf are going to hear, the blind will be healed, the lepers are cured, the good news will come to the poor. Jesus comes on the scene. And then he just starts healing everyone. Right? Healing, healing the paralyzed, healing the blind, healing the lepers. He's calling fishermen and tax collectors. Nobody called fishermen and tax collectors. Right? And then, and then we see how some people love it, some people aren't too sure about it, and some people hate it. Right, this is about up to Matthew 13. This is what's happening in the book. And then you go into the fourth section. This is about Matthew 14 to Matthew 20. And it really shows the different expectations people had of Jesus. Right. In this section, we see Jesus said to Peter, Who, who do you say I am? Jesus, Peter said, You're the Messiah. Jesus said, Well done. I'll build my church. But then Jesus goes and tells them, hey, the Messiah's going to die. And then Peter goes, hey, no, you're not. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, hey, you're right, but you're wrong. You're right, I am the Messiah. But Peter obviously didn't understand what was meant to happen. So we see these different expectations of Jesus. And this is really where you see the tension with the religious leaders. They start threatening Jesus. They're after him. They want to kill him. 
And then we see this teaching of Jesus in Matthew 18 to 20. And it's really about how different the kingdom of God is to the kingdom of the world. Jesus is saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, you gain honour by serving everyone. (laughs) The least among you will be the greatest. He's saying, hey, we forgive, we don't get even. We gain wealth by giving it away. Hey, in the kingdom of God, the children are a blessing. The ones who aren't valued are valued. Everyone's valued equally in the kingdom of God. Right. So this is what's happening. And then we get to kind of where we are today, Matthew 21 to 25. This is the last kind of section. And this begins with Jesus coming in on a donkey. Right, coming into Jerusalem. One of the first things he does is overthrows the temple. (laughs) Imagine that. See, the religious leaders already hate Jesus. Right? They try to argue with him. Jesus wins their argument. Right? He's healing lepers. He's he's giving food to Gentiles and Jews when doing miracles. He's doing all sorts of things that doesn't fit into their box. And then he comes into Jerusalem and he starts flipping tables. In the temple, the tension's sky high at this point. Sky high. And so this, this section is really how Jesus and his kingdom is clashing with the religious leaders in their kingdom. So they try and trap Jesus in the public debate. They fail. <laughs> Jesus keeps illustrating the kingdom of God. And then it gets into a pretty full-on bit of teaching. Matthew 23, the whole chapter, Jesus publicly criticises the religious leaders. And so he's coming on a donkey, which is a sign as a king. They hated that. He overturned their temple. They hated that. Then he publicly teaches what a disgrace they are. Right? This is is getting full-on. And it says then they were looking for a way to kill him. Jesus tells them how the temple will be destroyed and he'll build it up again. And then we have these parables in Matthew 25. You might have heard of some of them. Uh, One is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. You need to have oil. The other one is, is, is the parable of the talents, that we each be given something and we have to be faithful with it. And then it's what we just read. When Jesus returns... You're hungry and you fed me. You're thirsty, you gave me a drink. And what he's doing, he's comparing those in the kingdom of God with the Pharisees. This is who he's talking to. This is, this is where the tension is at the moment. He's saying, hey, in the kingdom of God. He says, Pharisees, see, you, you love and honour God, but that's where it stops. See, Pharisees, you love and you have reverence for God, but you exclude people. See, Pharisees, you have reverence for God, but you burden people. Pharisees, you have reverence for God, but you don't love your neighbour. So just imagine this tension. Everyone loves Jesus. Everyone's laying down the palm leaves, his king, and the religious leaders hate his guts. And this is the context. So let's just read it again. In this context, 
But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. See, that will already offend the religious leaders. All the nations, the Romans, the Samaritans, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, who you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked or in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was strange and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison? Tell you the truth, when you refused to help least of these brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. You notice... In the last few chapters, Jesus' language is getting pretty severe about eternal life. It's all angled at the Pharisees, the religious leaders. If you match it up, it kind of goes with that. So in this passage, that those who gave and those who didn't, he's comparing those in the kingdom of God who believe and follow Jesus and the Pharisees. Now Jesus summed up his teaching, love God, love your neighbour. They go together. The Pharisees, they had respect and reverence for God, but they looked down upon everyone else. They made it harder for people to know God. So as Christians, how will we love God and love our neighbour? You know, the parable just before is about being faithful with the talents. This is actually what faithfulness looks like. So as Christians today, this many thousand years later, we will be more like the kingdom of God or more like the Pharisees? Hungry, thirsty, strangers, naked, sick in prison. Now our world's pretty different to the world of Jesus. Right? In the world of Jesus, they were a lot hungry, a lot thirsty. Strangers is probably pretty similar. They were a lot naked, sick and in prison. You know, our world today is even different to uh, our life here at Edithburg to those in Ukraine or Rwanda, right? <laughs> and so uh, let's not get lost in the, in the context of where we are. But we have a call to love God and love our neighbour. And for the Pharisees and religious leaders, it was them and God and that's it. It was reverence for God and anyone else had to come up to where they were. Or they're out. But Jesus came to bring heaven, Emmanuel, God is with us, to earth. 
It's not just about me and God, it's about me and everyone else. And I think when we talk about this, is especially hungry and thirsty, I think it's important as a church we do support those who are literally physically hungry and thirsty. That's why we as a church support numerous missions groups. Uh, we support people in Thailand, Vietnam, India, different places. And we can do that individually. Uh, but I also wanted to just zero in on what it means for you tomorrow in Yorktown. Because we're in a pretty blessed part of the world. We're not going to come across too many that are hungry or thirsty. right? And yes, we can support beyond us in another place in the world, but what does it mean for you and me tomorrow morning when I wake up and go into our drossen? So I'm not gonna, I, I, I really hope I don't see anyone naked in our drossen. Right? I might see some strangers. I probably won't see anyone in prison. I doubt I'll see many hungry or thirsty. So what does that mean? Hungry. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Right? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Bread sustains. Bread gives life. Right? Bread nourishes. See, we experience the kingdom of heaven, then we can bring heaven to earth. See, Jesus prayed that your kingdom come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we experience peace from God, but I can bring peace when I go into our drossom tomorrow morning. So I experience heaven, then I can bring heaven. See, we experience the bread of life from Jesus, but then we can bring the bread of life to someone else. And there's a lot of people in our world that are hungry. Not for food, but they're not nourished. They're hungry for more. They're hungry for a meaning or a purpose in life. They're broken and empty. And this is the importance of our time with God. You know, when you spend time with God, it's not just for you. When you spend time with God, that, that, that builds you up, but he wants to bless someone else through you. When you spend time with God, you might read something, and about like, oh, yeah, that's good. But that might be a message for someone else that you're meant to come into contact with. I remember one day, this, this guy from Adelaide asked to have a coffee with me when he was coming over. I'm like, okay, cool. And I'd be reading about John the Baptist that morning and how he was uh, sending messages to Jesus because he was doubtful that Jesus was the Messiah. See, John had expectations that Jesus wasn't meeting. And I didn't really know this guy too well and... and but I had 30 minutes and so he sat down and he began to quickly tell me how he was having doubts about God's presence and if he was good and with him. And I'm like, it's funny that you should say that, mate, because I read this morning that even John the Baptist had a few doubts, so don't feel bad about it. Maybe you should just talk to Jesus. See, what I read in the morning was bread for him later, but I had no idea that was going to happen. See, Jesus is the bread of life. Who, what can we take to people who are hungry? Your time with God, it's not just about you. See, am I getting caught up in me, like the Pharisees? Or in my faith, is Jesus going through and beyond me? What about those who are thirsty, dry? Jesus said, I'll give you living water. Living water gives life, it refreshes, it grows. Again, we experience the kingdom of heaven and we bring the kingdom of heaven. Living water, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Darren said before, we're meant to be a river, not a pond. 
right? Ponds are disgusting. They're green. You don't go for swims in ponds, right? Tadpoles going everywhere. We're meant to receive from God and give out. See, the Pharisees, they received from God, but they gave nothing. actually made it harder. We need to be Christians that receive from God daily and then give out as freely as we receive. We give out forgiveness as freely as we receive. We give out encouragement as freely as we receive. How can we be living water to those we come into contact with? How can we refresh? How can we give life? Again, it only comes from knowing God, but it, doesn't, it can't stop there. For the Pharisees, it stopped with them. For the Pharisees, if you want refreshment, come up to where I am and do what I do. Jesus instead went and found tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and lepers and he gave living water to them. Is it about me? Is it about us? Or is it about other people, what Jesus is doing, those who are thirsty? You go into town tomorrow morning, you'll see people thirsty, dry, just getting through life, down and out. Bring life, bring refreshment. What about strangers? And this is a bit different in the country because we know a lot of people, right? What about those not in your circle? What's your circle? What well, those who you're comfy with? Right? Those not in your circle, how do we see them? How do we value them? Are they made in the image of God? Are they loved by God? Are they known by God? What's our heart for people? See, when we have a heart for those... See, see, Jesus said, anyone can be kind to people that are kind to you. That's just common sense, right? <laughs> but it's when we're kind, when we're generous to, and not expecting anything back. It displays the, the Father's heart. I think often it actually blesses you in return. I remember a few years ago, I got a call at about 5 o'clock on a Tuesday night, from a removalist. Right. And he said, hey, I'm a removalist, and, and uh, uh, I'm a Christian guy. I'm like, okay, cool. And he said, what we do, if we're running a bit late, we call local churches to see if anyone can help. And I'm like, I'm not, in my head, I'm, like, I'm not too sure about this strategy. Um, <laughs> sounds like free labour. Um, and they were arriving in like an hour on a Tuesday night. And, it, and I'm trying to process things in my head before I let it out of my mouth, right? In my head, I'm like, oh, hell no, no way. I'm not, oh, I'm not lifting recliners at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday. That's what's going on in my head. And I'm trying to find like a, a, a biblical excuse or a Christian excuse to not do it, right? It's like... Family for nines. I'm okay, I'll, I'll meet you there. And so I went there and helped him move in and, and did the thing. Well, turns out those people, uh, you might have met them, Rob and Eugenia from Ardrossan. They're a lovely couple that are such a blessing to our church. Uh, they run a seniors Bible study every week. They make my kids honey crackles every second weekend. Um, uh, Rob leads us around communion often, and they've been such a blessing to our church and community. Uh, sometimes we, we help strangers. We've got no idea what's going to happen. 
I had a bloke named Pete come into the Uniting Church the other week and he didn't have much food or money. And I've talked to him long enough to realise that there's some legitimacy there. And so we went and got him some vouchers for Drake's and, and I haven't seen him since. Right? There'll be times where we stop and help and be kind and generous. Sometimes we see the results like Robin and Eugenia and it's great and it's a brilliant story. And sometimes we don't. But strangers, those not in our circle, those who we don't know how they're going to treat us, are we kind? Are we loving? Are we generous? Am I caught up in me or is it about others? Strangers. Naked. Where does that fit in <laughs> in our world? I was thinking, is there, is there anything more vulnerable than naked? Right. Or getting caught when you're not meant to be caught or I, I was in Adelaide in, the, in, in one of the shopping malls the other day and, and they, they were cleaning the men's toilets and so I was going to go on the family one and I pressed the button to open it and, and there was a guy just sitting on the toilet and it was just horrible for everyone so I just left and ran away and, <laughs> and I was, as I was running I was like, mate you can lock it, just press the button for the love of God, press the button um, so, boom. So, oh. I walked to the other side of the shopping centre to go to the toilet because I didn't want to see his face, it was too awkward but that poor bloke, he just went like this on the toilet. He was defenceless. And, right? Is there anything more vulnerable than naked? Who's vulnerable in our world? Again, context changes things, right? And we can go through all the countries, and we should, and we have a heart for that, and that's why we support that. But in your world, who's vulnerable? Children? Sometimes widows and elderly? Sometimes not. How about those who are mourning? How about those who are struggling? How about those who are doing it tough? They're vulnerable. How about if you've been in, in faith and church in, the, in a long while, how about those... Those who are new to faith, they can be vulnerable too. As Christians, what do we do to protect, to cover, to support those who are vulnerable? Am I caught up in me or do I see beyond me? What about the sick, the hurting? I love when Jesus healed people. He often healed their physical sickness but that in turn healed their emotional sickness because they were often secluded. And then he always said, I forgive your sins as well. He healed them spiritually. It was like this whole dimensional healing that Jesus brought to people. As Christians, do we see the hurting? Do we care? If I'm really honest, my answer to that is sometimes or most of the time. If we can just be real. Because I can get so caught up in me. When I see the hurting. Sick, yeah, but there's other ways to hurt, isn't there? When I, when I see the hurting, am I like Jesus moved with compassion? What if I don't understand it? There's some hurting I don't understand. 
do we see the hurting? Do we stand with the hurting? Do we pray for the hurting? Do we encourage the hurting? Do we give grace to the hurting? Because who makes good decisions when you're hurting? When I stub my toe, I'm known to hit something on the table or something because it's just a bodily reaction. It's like boom, boom. Not a good decision. But when you're hurting, you do dumb stuff sometimes. Are we okay with that? Do we stand with people? Do we cheer them on? Do we encourage them? Do we pray for them? Am I caught up with me or do I, do I see and care beyond me? Those in prison, I reckon that's one of the trickiest ones to kind of bring to our context. Because in the days of Jesus, he was, he was arrested. Jesus. <laughs> the early believers arrested There might be all sorts of opinions about our country, but it's probably pretty fair. If you're in jail largely, you've probably got yourself there. <laughs> right? So what does this mean to us? Well, those who are mistreated, well, there's injustice. And I think that's just for us to consider. Again, that could be so different. There could be arguments to be made politically. I've worked in schools, there could be arguments to be made for certain students or not. Do we see it? Do we care when we moved? It goes beyond us. You know, right after this teaching, we go into the Lord's Supper. Jesus is arrested. He's killed on the cross. And then three days later, he rises from the grave. He defeated sin and death. So me and you, still today, that we believe and follow Jesus, we have that same victory. But I'm not going to read it, but it talks about in Ephesians that we have this same power for us who believe in Jesus. The resurrection power. See, me and you, when we believe and follow Jesus, we're sons and daughters of God. And we have defeated sin and death because of Jesus. And we can take that heaven, we can take that victory to those hungry, to those thirsty, to those sick, those hurting, those in prison, those naked. And I don't want you to be condemned today because, oh no, what, did I not help the hurting? Or, I want you to see this as an opportunity. An opportunity to bring heaven to earth. This is the kingdom of God. That we know God. He is our Father. He, Jesus is the bread of life and we can give out that bread. He's living water that we can be a river it flows through. That we, as we follow Jesus, we can protect the vulnerable. We can stand with the hurting. We can be with those who are mistreated. It's the opportunity we have to meet those to bring life. Jesus said he condemned those who refused. Right. So, so God hasn't got a list in heaven and be like, all right, Cody, you saw eight hurting people on Monday and you only noticed one. 
fail. Gabby, you saw 10 hurting and you notice five, you just get in. That's not how God operates. Right? As we believe in Jesus, we're saved by grace. But loving God means loving your neighbour. And he was talking to the Pharisees who utterly refused to include, to bring life, to, to bring the kingdom of God. It was just about them and God. So don't sit condemned. I think the encouragement and the challenge actually to us from Jesus is to look and see. I think we, sometimes we, this is our risk like the Pharisees. We can get so caught up in, in God, but really me. That's what the Pharisees were so concerned about was their status. It was their popularity. It was what people were listening to them, not Jesus. They were so focused about themselves, they didn't see anyone else. And when I stop seeing people, it's because I'm focused about Ben. When I don't see the hungry, the thirsty, the vulnerable, the hurting, it's because I just see Ben. Can we look beyond ourselves to those around us? See, we, we've got bread of life. We've got living water. We have resurrection power. We can speak health and healing and life. We can protect and cover. We can bring freedom in the name of Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God goes beyond us. It flows out from us. Like rivers of living water. I wonder if the keys could come. That'd be great. The hungry. The thirsty. The strangers. The naked, the hurting, those in prison. We can bring resurrection power, life, heaven on earth. I think often we just got to see them. See, we didn't even have to do it really because it flows through us, right? See, Jesus does things through us. So often we talk to people and they end up receiving something from God it's not us it's God in us and through us right that's what living water bread of life is we just pass on what we got but it's about seeing them caring when we're walking down the street and we see someone and God kind of puts something there do we go with it or do we <laughs> move away Are we looking? Are we moved to compassion for the hurting, even if we don't get it? And the reality is, is that God came to earth because we were hungry, we were thirsty, <laughs> we were vulnerable, we're hurting, we were in prison and sin and death and he gave us life. So we're all in the same club, all needing Jesus. <coughs> we're going to pray for our, our community in a minute.
But I wonder if there's people here today who feel a bit hungry, thirsty, vulnerable, hurting. Maybe feel lonely like a stranger. I just want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. God, whether they feel it or not, you know every single person here, God. God, you love every single person here. You value every single person here. God, it says you know how many hairs are on their head. God, it says you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. God, your face smiles upon them. You love them. You're here for them. God, I pray for the hungry. God, I pray for just sustainment and fulfillment from heaven, the bread of life, Jesus. God, I pray for the thirsty. They just, just feel dry. Do you bring refreshment? You bring life. Rivers of living water. God, I pray for the for people who feel like they're strangers, they feel lonely. And God, you've placed people in the church here who love them, who for them. Imperfect people. But God, even if that fails, and sometimes people will fail. Churches will fail sometimes. God, you are a God who never leaves, never forsakes, is always present. God, they are never alone. God, I pray for the hurting. I pray for the sick in body and mind, and I pray for healing from heaven. God, I pray for the hurting from trauma or injustice or wrongs, Lord God. I pray healing. God, you are called comforter, advocate. God, we lift up the vulnerable to you. Whether they're doing it tough, God, I pray strengthen them. We lift up our children, our infants, and the sick, and wherever they fit in that, Lord God. God, I pray for those who are mistreated. God, you see everything. God, thank you that we've experienced your life and power. God, we we pray for our community. We pray for our workplaces, our towns, our sporting clubs. God, it's full of people who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are strangers to us, who are hurting, who are being mistreated, who are vulnerable. God, help us to see them like you see them. God, help us to value people like you value them. God, help us to love people how you love them. God, help us to remember who you are. That you're Alpha and Omega, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You defeated sin and death. And we have the same resurrection power within us, Lord God. So help us to remember that when we interact, it's not just us in our human state, but your Holy Spirit, your supernatural power flows through us, that we can give out bread of life, that we can give out living water, that we can speak health and healing and we can bring life through your power in us and through us, God. But God, help us to see people. Help us to hear your prompts and your voice. 
God, when you put people or places on our hearts, help us to obey and give us courage to do it. Help us not to see people as strangers, but by brothers and sisters who are loved by you, God. Help us not to look down and judge, but to see value in life and your presence moving. But even where we are right now, I pray that you just put people onto our hearts, people to reach out to, people to encourage, people that we are there to bring life to. People we might see as strangers, but God's got a greater plan. God, even just show us, speak to us right now, put names on our hearts, God. We don't want to be like the Pharisees, so caught up in just ourselves that we forget the call to love God, love our neighbour. They go together. And the greatest love we can do is introduce them to you, Jesus. God knows who, who we are caring for. Help us to share our faith in you, Jesus. Give us words to say. Where there's friendships, help us to point him towards you, Jesus. God, you've given us life, freedom, forgiveness. We've got eternity in heaven, heaven on earth. We don't want it to stay with us. We want it to go through us, expand out into our community and beyond. Let it happen. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Specifically, just pray for the dad's law before we go. Help us to display the Father's heart. Heard someone once say that a child's father is the first picture of God they get. First illustration of God is the Father. God, help us to love like you love. Help us to have grace like, like you do. It's hard. But God, thank you that we're a church that sometimes we don't have mothers or fathers or brothers or sisters or kids, but you call us a family of faith. God, I thank you that my kids in this church have about 20 or 30 grandparents, <laughs> a bunch of uncles and aunties, brothers and sisters, Lord God, and help us to see how we can play a part in the family of faith, how we can encourage, how we can bring life. Lord, I just pray over the, the week ahead. Help us to see people how you see people. Help us to hear your voice. God, we, we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, let heaven come to our towns, our workplaces, our homes, our communities, our lives, our minds, our hearts. Let it be in the name of Jesus. God, I pray over this week. Pray be so full of your life, your love, your freedom. Whatever's happening today, wherever people are going, whether it's lunches or not, I pray that it is filled with your love, your joy, your peace, your comfort. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Have an amazing week and uh, hang around, catch up with someone, have a meat pie and uh, I'll catch you next week.